Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here with my co-host, Walker Kelly and Mike Valverde. And today we have special guest, Joe Pisapia, who I started doing his credits and they just kept going. Fantasy Pros, Fantasy Football Black Book, Fantasy Baseball Black Book, uh, Sports Grid. Um, I saw a, a wrestling podcast as well. You're all over the place, Joe. How's your day going? Uh, you're right. It's easier to not find me than to find me. <laughs> if you tell people that's uh, and, and and to be honest, it's much shorter than it used to be. I used to be like more places, but you know those boys in Fantasy Pros, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So. Uh, it's it's great to be basically just kind of there now for the most part. I still do the TV at Sports Grid and uh, obviously still the Black Book series. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's exciting to be here with you guys and talk some football. And uh, yes, I I'm a busy man, but it beats the hell out of working for a living. That's what I always say. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I uh, I mostly do this now. My wife uh, does all the hard work, and I'm sort of a house husband, so I very much appreciate. Um, that that sentiment of it's better than really working for a living. So, uh, Joe, do you, uh, let's start off. Let's talk about the fantasy football black book. How's that sound? Oh, so, sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So you you have the the promo behind you. So where did the yeah. fantasy football black book idea come from? Like, wh- what was the first iteration of it? Like? <laughs> well, the the funny part about the black book is it came out of frustration, which I I guess most things come out of, right? Like yeah, most great ideas come out of frustration. I had written for a website for a couple of years just to, to kind of learn and didn't make any money on it. And it was fine. It was just kind of like a side thing I did just kind of for my own sanity. And then um, later on, I worked for another website that after that one closed down, this other one that promised to pay me and I had a whole deal with them. And I was editor for a year and worked on a bunch of stuff. And at the end of the year, they stiffed me. I went, okay, I've learned my lesson here. So that's not going to be a good thing. And uh, then I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put all this, all these ideas into a book and relative position value and something that I believed in that was working for me over the years in fantasy to great extent. And I'm going to put this out there, see how it does. And at the time, there really wasn't much in the space. It was just Kindle. That's all that was available, really. Mm-hmm. So it was a hard copy even version available. And that was 11 years ago. And now we're sitting in a place where, you know, it, it was ahead of Tom Brady's book and number one in football books on Amazon. Uh, in August, uh, there was an Joe Namath book a couple years ago on Amazon in August. It's crazy what it's become, but it's because people have success because I'm giving them something that really covers all of their leagues and it's very different than what's out there because everyone's got really good information. There's a, a million podcasts and a million, uh, you know, great sites that have all kinds of good analysis behind it. But what's lacking is strategy. What's lacking mm-hmm. is approach and something that really hyper focuses on every single league that you're going to play in this year whether it be IDP, Dynasty, whether it be PPR, Superflex, uh, NFFC, High Stakes, we cover everything. And I think that's kind of what you need nowadays. And relative position value of that way of looking at the board kind of changes you forever. And it's something that people actually can use. It's adaptable. It's applicable. It works. And I think that when you give people something that's simple to grasp and it works and they have success with it, they just keep coming back. So that's that's where it's been. It's been a decade since. And uh it's crazy. I can't believe that people who write along with me and I have a whole staff of people. It's kind of bizarre. I used to do it all by myself, like 400 player profiles, just me mm-hmm. every year for baseball and for football. And I was like, this is nuts. Uh, right. Exactly. I'm willing to do that craziness. And then it got to a point where it was growing and it did very well. And I was able to employ more people. And it's the 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 little engine that could. Or basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a great resource. I have mine right here. 
here. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up. There we go. Right oh, here. Oh, look at it. Yeah, it's you can see I'm hard to part, see in partway through it, taking Hold notes. It in front of your face. There you go. You're <laughs> the guy. I'll just do this. There. That, the oh, fifth. There, there yeah. you go. You kind of see it there. I didn't even have mine yet. I haven't even ordered mine yet. I got oh, my really? copy. I've been so busy trying to get the stupid Apple version up because Apple's such a pain in the ass. But uh, it'll get there eventually. But yeah, okay. I got to actually do that tomorrow. So that's on the talk of things to do. Yeah, no, I, I had to order it. My wife was so excited. She's like, you're in a book. I was like, I paid to put an ad in a book. It's not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. She's just happy you're reading, Jeff. That's exactly. Even, reading. Even, I'm just looking at the picture that I made is really what it comes down to. I, I can't read it. So real quick, before we get into pick your poison, I want to talk about, you mentioned RPV, relative position value. I don't want you to give it all away, but give the like three sentence pitch for what RPV is. Rankings are good. Tiers are better. Quantified rankings rule all. And that's the thing. It's it's not enough to rank guys. What you have to do is understand what how much better a player is than his peers in different formats. You know, the format dictates the player value as much as the player's talent does. And that's the thing that people miss out on. Running back's not a position. RB1 is because it's a mm -hmm. roster slot. And understanding how to exploit roster spots, understanding how to build core roster strength, that's what it's about. It's about understanding and being able to quantify the value of players that are positive and negative at their respective positions. And then that's how you understand. And that's the biggest mistake everybody always makes. They try to fill out a roster instead of trying to draft core roster strength. And that is uh, where people fail. And the Black Book teaches you how to do the other thing and do it well. And then you feel like you're just in control of everything. So I know there's more than three sentences, but I'm Italian. It's very hard. <laughs> there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of semicolons and commas in those sentences. It's one big run on. This yeah, there, Friday there night. Go. Uh, you, know, you don't know what's in this cup. That's true. It is a, what is that, Avengers cup? <laughs> it is actually. It's just I wish it was more interesting, but it's not. <laughs> no, I got to stay hydrated. So uh, the first thing we usually do on every podcast is pick your poison. We usually do pick three players. There's a theme, but let's get to know you. So if you're on fantasy Twitter, uh, there is something taking the Twitter by storm right now. It's mm -hmm. a guy lost his fantasy league. His name is Lee Sanderlin. And his punishment was he had to stay in a Waffle House for 24 hours. And every waffle he ate removed an hour from, from the uh, the time span that he had to spend there. So I want to know your strategy. But first, I want to talk about what my wife's strategy is. Because it's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's, both, I, it's both both very calm and very chaotic. She goes, well, I'll just sit there for 24 hours. If I get hungry, I'll eat a waffle. And I was like, <laughs> you're just going to you know sit what? there. This woman married you, so you know <laughs> she knows she, patience. <laughs> how many hours is she into this marriage, Jeff? That's what you'll be asking yourself. That's true. She's like, oh, actually, she's like, wait, so I'm gonna be at Waffle House by myself for almost a day. <laughs> <laughs> she, well, that's looking like vacation. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Joe, we'll start with you. What is your strategy to get through the Waffle House? Uh, you know what's funny? I've always wanted to go to a Waffle House, but I, I'm from you know New York, New Jersey area. I've never been to a Waffle House. I love waffles. I love chicken waffles. Everything about Waffle House sounds like a great idea to me. Uh, I got to imagine that I could at least pound six or seven or possibly eight waffles. I mean, I would like to eat enough waffles that I could be in the Waffle House, probably get some work done, hang out, listen to some music, maybe bring the Nintendo Switch with me or something like that, watch, uh, you know, some wrestling documentaries. And then I think if I eat enough waffles that I can then leave and, you know, get like you know, seven, eight hours sleep, I think I'd be okay. I think I could actually handle that. So that, that would be my situation. I get there, you know, you get you get six in the morning, you start and you just kind of, yeah, you have a couple waffles for breakfast, you know, waffles for lunch, a couple waffles for dinner, maybe a waffle for dessert. You know, <laughs> that's the nice thing about waffles is they're versatile. 
That's why mm-hmm. I like the waffle. It's really any meal. It doesn't matter. You it's can a, put whipped a, cream on that, put some exactly. strawberries. Exactly. Yeah. You got savory ice cream on there. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's a very versatile thing. I like the waffle. Yeah. yeah. So Walker, you said you had a strategy that would you said we are going to get mad in capital letters. That's what you said your strategy is. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have eaten um, you know those like plate sized pancakes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I've I've eaten five of those in about thirty minutes before. Good God. And um I that's figured why it's that down right now. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I actually just did that. That, that was dinner. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm figuring that one of those Waffle House waffles, while they're kind of big, they're pretty thin, and waffles are a lot airier than pancakes. So I'm figuring one pancake equals probably two waffles. So I'm figuring in the first hour I can slam ten waffles, and we're good. You're and then, and then I just kind of am a little bit miserable but i've been really full before so it's like eh, not that big of a deal and i just spend the next like 10 hours or so just kind of existing listen to podcasts maybe like lie down and take a nap in the waffle house um i'm probably going to spend a solid hour of that in the bathroom uh (laughs) and then once it gets to that point then i'll be i'll have enough I'll, i'll have broken through the wall i got my second wind Whip down the last four waffles, and I'm out of there in about ten and a half hours. Look at this guy. He he figured it all out. Uh, Mike, what's your plan? Well, I I thought I'd outsmart you all because my brother was a manager for Waffle House for years, and so I'm like, hey, give me some tips. I need to learn. I need to outsmart everybody here. I need to know what's going on. So, um, I texted my brother and I said, hey, what's the best way to get through this situation? He replies back, you're in hell, homeboy. So (laughs) (laughs) there's no way around it. There's no way around it. Um, I I would just probably just try to sporadically eat one here, two here. I think the best thing to do is try to get to 12 and how you do that is the best possible method. So maybe one an hour, get in, you know, get 12 in. And then by that time, your 12 meets are 12. You're out of there in 12 hours. See, everybody's trying to, like, everybody's strategy I've seen is front-loading the waffles. This is what I'm thinking. Eat a waffle an hour for a while till you get sick of it, then slam the waffles and go home. And if you're going to feel bad, feel bad in your own bed. It's an easy yeah, strategy. I'm just, yeah. I'm just enjoying the day and seeing how many different kinds of waffles I can have at every meal. Like, I'm just, That's I'm, true. Enjoy, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying my time. Yeah. I'm enjoying my time at the Waffle House. That's what I want to do. Yeah, well, I went to one Waffle House once, and I did not have a waffle, so I don't even know if they're any good. I, I had their 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 hash browns are, are amazing, so that's what I went for. So, um, so all right, let, let's talk some actual football. So we were trying to figure out, you know, kind of a, a topic. We finished our sleepers, our, our ADP review last week, um, and so we were like, well, we, we don't want to start division previews yet. So something that's been kicking in, around inside my head is guys we're excited about, which is as nebulous as you want it to be. I don't want to call it sleepers because some, <laughs> some people no be like, thing. yeah, somebody will be like, you know, it's a good sleeper. Austin Eckler. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Or, you, or if you're, you know, your sleeper is not like uh, Jacob Harris, people are like, well, that's too shallow. That doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know why I have LA teams on the brain. So what I wanted to talk about is just guys we're excited about guys. We want to see how their season plays out, how they could be kind of make or break, maybe, uh, some potential league winners, just guys that were really excited that when we start our review on 2021, kind of the guys were like, how did that guy end up doing? Did he blow the league away? Um, so Joe, you're the guest. Um, <laughs> we can start with you. 
Or you can go last. It's your choice. Yeah, I'll start. Fine, let's go. All right. Uh, I'm excited about C.D. Lamb. Uh, okay. I was excited about him last year, and I, I, I was very excited four weeks into the season, and then Dak Prescott got hurt in week five, and that was kind of a bummer. Um, but still, regardless of all that, he almost had 1,000 yards receiving. He had over, you know, almost 111, I think, targets off the top of my head, somewhere around there. Um, and he had, what, seven touchdowns? So C.D. Lamb is a player that I'm always looking for the wide receivers who can jump from threes to twos, from twos to ones. And we've had a really good track record in the Black Book of doing this the last couple of years. Two years ago, we had Chris Godwin and DJ Moore were the guys we said were going to make that jump from twos to ones, and they did. And then last year, uh, it was uh, two guys. It was a guy named Calvin Ridley and a guy named DK Metcalf. So we did pretty well there, too. Heard of them. This year going in, C.D. Lamb was that guy, and then T. Higgins was the other. But now with Jamar Chase, I'm a little worried about Higgins being able to reach that kind of plateau, even though I'm still excited about him. But C.D. Lamb is that one for me because – He's going to work out of the slot a lot. He's going to get a ton of volume. He's going to have a higher weekly floor than Amari Cooper, but I think he matches the same exact uh, ceiling weekly that Amari Cooper has. And that is, to me, a better investment from a guy that's going basically in the same kind of ADP or similar to it. So for me, CeeDee Lamb is that guy that if I take a Kelsey in a running back or something like that early in my draft, or if I do want to get a quarterback early, maybe I'm able to get CeeDee Lamb. And he might be able to perform like a wide receiver one more often than not. And that's something I'm excited. I'm excited to see him and Dak together on the field for an entire season healthy. I think uh, I think it's going to be very, very productive in fantasy terms. Yeah, and to yeah. your point, I was going to say, Mike, uh, to your point, Joe, uh, Mari Cooper, 44, wide receiver 16, C.D. Lamb, 47, wide receiver 18. So you're basically making a choice between them. Unless you get lucky and you double tap them at a turn. Yeah, and 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 you know what? That's that's It seems like... <laughs> that's the thing that happens in some of those offenses that you like a lot. You saw that a couple of years ago with like Woods and Cup were like back to back. Yeah. Um, you know, there's certain guys Dicks like Evans and Godwin last year were back to back. I think that, you know, some people don't know what to do, so they just mm-hmm. kind of lump them in there. But it's interesting to see if that actually plays out that way in drafts. I know it's like out there in the 80 people, when you're actually in the physical drafts, you know, I feel like most of the time you'll see Amari Cooper go not well before, but certainly before. Because people are still a little unsure about Lamb, I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. ready to make that investment. And in any sort of auction league, I'm certainly prefer the the a few dollars I might save on him. All right, perfect. Yeah. So, Mike, what were you going to say about CD Lamb? So, one of the things I just came across actually today was the fact that, and I was kind of surprised by this. Um, Amar, uh, uh, Michael Gallup had the most snap shares. Then Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb only had 62% of that snap share. So if he can just jump up 10 or 15 spots in that uh, snap share, what we saw out of C.D. Lamb is basically bottom barrel. And if he can jump up that, which I don't see why he won't, especially after, you know, the rookies and stuff like that, they had a slow start because of COVID and all all those kind of things. So if we get that jump on C.D. Lamb, then the sky's the limit for this guy. Yeah. I'm a big CD Lamb fan as well. I saw a tweet today um, saying that, you know, CD Lamb versus Brandon Ayuk as a take. And I was like, well, I think CD Lamb already has the stud quarterback. You <laughs> oh, know, say, for, is Dak Prescott playing for San Fran? I love Trey Lance. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. a big fan, but let's. That's not even the same universe of offenses right now in terms yeah. of world football. Yeah, right. that's, that's the kindest way I responded. I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how Trey Lance works out because. CD Lamb already has a stud quarterback. So mm-hmm. what are we gonna yeah? So Mike, who's who's the first guy that you want to talk about that you're excited about? Um uh, there's there's a couple, but I'm I'm actually and I think it's more to, to the fact that it is ADP, 
But I'm really excited uh, for Tua Tango Viola. And I know he's way down the bottom, but he offers so much. Um, One of the things I'm really excited to see with with Tua is how much comfortability he'll have now that, A, he'll have a whole preseason and um, training camp and those kind of things and be able to learn more of the playbook because that's where he struggled was that he didn't have a full grasp of the playbook. And I think that really suffered his production. Now they go in and they grab in Jalen Waddle. Well, Jalen Waddle and Tua, guess what? We're former former teammates. Mm-hmm. So now you have someone comfortable with him that he can throw to. Secondly, I, I, th- I think that injury really prohibited his mobility. He's a very mobile guy. And I'm going to I'm, I'm thinking that you're going to see that. He's one of those quarterbacks that are that I'm seeing like Josh Allen. Now Josh Allen of course has a huge arm. He's he's you know Tua is not there. But someone that you're looking at fantasy wise that has that mobility, that that sort of that cheat code that you can get late in the draft that's going to perform ROI status for you. And I see that a lot in Tua. Uh offense is there. Uh offensive line is is pretty good and then you got the defense and that defense is improving uh, every year, and I think that defense is going to really help him get that ball back into his hands, so he can drive down the field. Uh, so you're adding points on on the ground with his legs, and then also points through the air with his arm, and you're getting him like way late, like 18, you know, at yeah. 18 quarterback off the board. So yeah, Mike, to that point right now, he's QB 21, 155 off the board. So even later than you thought. Even later, uh, and I and I and I'll take that every you know every single day. Yeah, no, I love that take with Tua and Jalen Waddle because uh, Tua did not want to throw to his wide receivers or tight ends who would never get open, and Jalen Waddle is always open, so it's an immediate connection right there. And uh, another thing this. I forgot to talk about too with with uh, Tua is that if you're looking at fantasy points, you're if you take what Ryan Fitzpatrick did, and he was very much uh, a productive player for the Dolphins. And you look at his fantasy points, what he put up, uh, Tua wasn't that far away from what Ryan Fitzpatrick. So if you like what Ryan Fitzpatrick did, and I think many people did, then you can't say Tua had a bad season because those fantasy points are almost similar. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So, uh, uh, Walker, uh, let's move on to you. Who are you excited about your first guy to, to talk about for this year? Is it the guy I put in the example, Mr. No. Stafford? Oh, wow. No. Uh this is going to probably surprise you given my fandom, but um, my guy is, he's, uh, I guess I'll just say it first off, Alan Robinson. Okay. Um, regardless of which of Dalton and Fields start, as we've discussed, he's going to have the best quarterback he's ever played with this season. He's been incredibly consistent and productive um, and durable the last two years with just horrendous quarterback play. I mean, even even Bears fans on Twitter will admit that their quarterback play has been awful the last two years. And Bears fans are not the most rational people in the world. Well, uh, they love they all love Mitch Trubisky. Don't forget. They did. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I Robinson, I, I still believe his talent level is underrated. He's a better route runner than he gets credit for. Obviously, he has the incredible ability to go up and get the ball at its highest point. Uh, good athlete, good speed. Very, very strong on the outside. You really can't press him because you can't knock him off his routes. Um, I I don't see why he can't go just a little bit above what he's been doing. 
he's still the clear number one in an offense that throws the ball more than most people think. They throw about 60% of the time. Uh, you know, same off, same offense is going to be in play, just with a more accurate quarterback. He's going to get 10 targets a game. That This has been established. If he ends up with 160, 170 targets on the season with a very similar percentage to, you know, what he's been doing, uh, or um, catch percentage, I mean, then he's going to have just over 100 catches, something in the 1,500 yards range, and... At that point, even if his touchdown percentage isn't particularly high, his floor is low-end wide receiver one, and I think Robinson has top-five ceiling. And that's not really something that I've been hearing from many people. I fully believe that Robinson can function as your wide receiver one on your fantasy team, and that opens up the ability to, like Joe said, you can go Kelsey running back, or you can get an early quarterback. Um, You can load up your running back room. I, you know, I, I just, I feel like uh, we mentioned, uh, I think on the last podcast that he was going wide receiver 12 in ADP. I really think that barring injury, that's drafting him at his floor. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I, I'm truly excited. He, he's a very talented player and it'll be easier for me to accept him destroying my lions because we're not supposed to be good this year anyway. So. All right. Perfect. So. Um, I almost skipped myself. I almost went back to Joe, but I do have a guy that I'm excited about. It's Travis Etienne. Oh, that uh, doesn't running... count. Why does that not count? <laughs> I'll just mess with you, man. <laughs> running back 36, 91st overall. Um, I mean, he was a beast at Clemson. If you don't know who Travis Etienne is, um, in his last two years, he averaged 14 carries, 93 rush yards, three receptions, 38 receiving yards, and uh, three touchdowns every four games. He's really good. He's teammates with his quarterback, once again, from uh, college, um, Trevor Lawrence. And the Travis Etienne situation really reminds me a lot of the Alvin Kamara rookie year situation. And I know I've said this uh, on the podcast before, but it's just I'm excited to see how this plays out. Because you've got James Robinson playing the Mark Ingram role, the incumbent, Carlos Hyde in the AP role. And you got this upstart, hard-to-tackle, slippery, versatile guy in Alvin Kamara and Travis Etienne. And, um, you know, at some point, after four weeks, they ditched Alvin Kamara. Hopefully they do that with, I mean, sorry, they ditched uh, Adrian Peterson. Hopefully they do that with Carlos Hyde. And then we get this, this you know, sort of game-breaking three quarters of the season like we had with Alvin Kamara. Even a, even a baby version of that, where Alvin Kamara just kicked the doors down, is going to be a league winner going at 91st overall. So I'm excited to see how the Travis Etienne rookie season plays out, mostly because he was my number one running back in the draft pre-draft, and then he just landed in just a god-awful situation that I'm hoping he can, like, clean it all up. So that's I'm excited to see Travis Etienne this year. So that that's the first guy that I'm excited to, uh, to see how things play out. I think he landed in a great position. He's with his quarterback. I mean, doesn't get much better than that, especially as a rookie where, you know, the quarterback feels comfortable, knows your timing, knows your rhythms knows the you know what you like to do and you know where he likes to throw the football i would argue it might be the best possible situation for him despite urban meyer's many many questions that is the that's <laughs> yeah. the first good argument i've heard about him being in a good situation because I, it's it's everybody like i did focus everything on- now in the nfl it's it's the guys that you you like to throw the ball to the guys that you feel confident and 
I'm 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 very high in ATN. He's very high in the black book compared to where everybody else has him, and that's that's what I, that's what I've been known for in the past. I'm also not somebody who goes crazy over a player in certain circumstances too, and overrates them the next year. I remember, oh god, years ago, C.J. Anderson had that huge year. You guys remember that? And then mm-hmm. everybody had him like a first round player except us. We're the yeah. only publications like, what are you guys smoking crack? Like, yeah. no, <laughs> C.J. Anderson's a great story off the waiver wire. But that's not going to get recreated. And we see that happen sometimes. But ETN, especially in full-point PPR formats, he's going to be the guy. I mean, there's no way Urban Meyer is all of a sudden going to be beholden to an undrafted free agent, James Robinson, from the regime before him. That is not going to be the case. I'm not saying, like, Robinson just, like, disappears. But Travis ETN is is the talent there. And the fact mm-hmm. that he's with his dude, that is huge. Because when you're coming into the NFL and you're learning all these things, the one thing all of a sudden that – is like security blanket is that guy that's been behind you in college for the last couple of years. And now he's right there with you in the NFL. That's, that's a big deal. That's yeah. No, you've gotten me more hyped on, on Travis right. ETN now. Yeah. But I'm I have a question. I'm I, have, up the board. I have a question for Joe for Joe. I, I know you studied acting. So here, the, the, the thing here is that we're always looking at as far as roles and parts, right? What's your objective? What, what is the basis of your, of the role that you're going to play? What is the basis? What is that role for Travis Etienne? And that that's the thing that throws me off. Well, I, I think it is very similar to that Camaro role. I think he's a guy that's going to catch 70 balls this year. Like, I, I just, I, you already see them early on in some of the camps, uh, the, you know, putting him out in the slot, putting him out there in space, which is great. Um, I think he's, a, he's going to run the ball out of the backfield more than people realize. And you have to understand this, too. With a 17-week season, there's every reason to make sure, you know, you kind of ease him in in terms of carry number until you get halfway through the season. And kind of like what you saw last year, Mike, with Taylor and Swift. You remember how all of a sudden, like, week eight happened, and then after that, all of a sudden, those dudes became monsters? Right. Well, that's exactly, I think, the plan for most running backs nowadays coming into the league is that you kind of, you know, work them in slowly, understand what's going on. You're adding that extra game, which doesn't seem like a lot, but you know what it is. And... I think you're going to see by the second half, ETN's going to be a guy who's going to, you know, if you get him at the right spot, could be a league winner for you because I think he can dominate down the stretch when you need him the most and into the playoffs when he gets up to that speed. So, I mean, from a rushing standpoint, I, I think he could probably get around 800 yards or something like that. And I think from a, a receiving standpoint, he might be able to match that. And if he does, you're looking at, a you know, an all-purpose 1,600-yard guy with 75 catches. I think that is... That is not impossible for him. Maybe it's a little on the high end, uh, but I, once again, I keep going back to that thing with Lawrence. Lawrence I mean, comfortability, familiarity is huge for a quarterback. I mean, those, those that's something that, you know, just ask Tom Brady, <laughs> you, know, right. when he, you know, when he feels about that and then, you know, why he had some of those guys follow him where he did, right? Yeah. No, that's, I, that, I, I feel great. I feel even better about the guy that I was excited about because my only question was, you know, Urban Meyer talked a big game about, um, oh, he's going to start as a third down back. And um, I'm, I'm, why would any well, coach right now? It's like, what is it? Zimmer came out and said, well, Irv Smith's not going to do anything yeah. more. Well, why would you want to tell the world Irv Smith's <laughs> going to be a huge thing? Okay, now everyone's going to game plan against you. Of course not. Like, we can't I, listen I, to these guys. Don't make it. Just watch. See what you see on the field. See the talent. See the players. See the growth potential. Don't worry too much about the coach speak stuff because none of these guys are going to give anything away because they're all paranoid lunatics. And they're certainly not going to tell you about this guy's going to be a huge part of our offense. And we want everybody to know that going into week one so they can (laughs) get plan against him. It's not going to happen. The only thing – so 
I normally don't listen to coach speak. The only thing that scarred me or that had me thinking about it was I'm a scarred 49ers fan. Their GM is Trent Balky. He is dumb enough to use a first round pick on a third down back. <laughs> like, sorry, I watched him destroy a Super Bowl roster with, you know, drafting, uh, what was his name? Um, AJ Jenkins, a downfield receiver on a ground and pound team. You know, it was like, I, it just gave me a little pause and, um, yeah, no, I feel better. So, um, Joe, who's your second guy that you're excited? Oh, Walker, sorry. Did you have something? Just the last thing. I mean, if he's going RB38, I mean, he could think about what Chase Edmonds did last year. Etienne's role is going to be at least, you know, minimum what Edmonds' role was last year. And Edmonds was, what, RB18 last season or something like that? So Etienne's basically guaranteed to be an insanely good value. Oh, yeah. So much better of a talent. I mean, it's not even close. Yes. Yeah, and Chase Edmonds is fine, but ETN's really good. Like, mm-hmm. on average, there are two rookie running backs per year that finish top 12. Najee Harris is obvious because they're going to feed him touches until he can't move. Mm-hmm. But ETN is, if if there's going to be another one in this class, it's going to be ETN, mm-hmm. and he's got the talent to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ETN's the, the odds-on favorite to be the second one with, like, uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams. And then if you get spicy, you know, people are <clears throat> really hyped up on Jared Dokes. I'm not I'm not part of that group. But. Trey Sermon's the other guy in the rookie Trey, class, I would circle. It, yeah, Trey Sermon's it, also. It depends, crazy. yeah, it, it depends on how they injure. It, if if Mostert goes down really early. If. When? Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm saying, like, like week two, week three. Trent Walkie's not the only person who scarred me as a 49ers fan. <laughs> Fair. No, I, oh, I think the thing the sermon, thing sermon re- is another one of those oh, guys like second half of the year. Like you yep. got you got to think that. Yeah, he he reminds me of Acres. Well, but you also you know when you had Wilson was the guy that I really liked in that backfield, and then when he got hurt, now the door's open as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. So that's that's the whole thing. I know he's gonna you know be back eventually, but by then I don't know what the pecking order is. And I don't, I, I don't trust, while we're talking about the Niners, <laughs> I don't know how much we can trust that we will see Jeff Wilson because the 49ers strength and conditioning team has just lit players blow through their timetables. Every player not named George Kittle has just destroyed their timetable because the SNC there is bad. They're, they're not good at what they do. So everybody just kind of add an extra, I would say 50% to the timetable. Then you're talking late November. So maybe he'll be back for a game or two before the season's over. So that's just my take on, on Jeff Wilson. So now let's talk about your side. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Heck okay. yeah, you are. <clears throat> because I'll tell you why. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah I'm, you know why I am? Because not just because Mike's here, but I'm, I'm excited <laughs> because when you, when you saw last year, when you took Philip Rivers out of the worst offensive line in the league and dropped him behind the Colts offensive line, the first couple weeks, you you saw he still had, like, the battle scars. And then he kind of settled in, and then it got to a point where it was really good. And then it got to a point where they almost beat Buffalo in Buffalo in the playoffs. And, I mean, they really kind of should have won that game when you look back on it. Yes. And I look at Carson Wentz, who's younger, more mobile, and I'm old enough to remember when Doug Peterson was the laughingstock of the NFL. And, and all of a sudden, Carson Wentz showed up, and Frank Reich was there, and – they looked like money. Everything was going really well. Wentz got hurt, unfortunately. We all know the Nick Foles, Cinderella story, all that stuff happens. And all of a sudden, Doug Peterson's the genius. I'm like, Doug Peterson's not a genius. He's a moron. He's always had these, you know. And, of course, then we see it fall apart after Reich leaves. And now Frank Reich is there. Frank Reich was a great quarterback in college. He was a great quarterback in the NFL when he when he had to pick up monumental moments for the Buffalo Bills and put that team on his back. And Frank Reich knows football. And I think putting him... 
with Carson Wentz again, giving him that offensive line, giving him not one, but several running backs that he can also feel less pressure about it. I think it just changes the entire uh, dynamic when it comes to him. And I think that you're going to see a closer version of Carson Wentz, who people forget it was only like, what, two and a half years ago where he was, you know, him and Deshaun Watson took the league by storm. It's like, oh, my God, this is the future of the NFL. And then Patrick Mahomes came in through 50 touchdowns and everybody <laughs> about Wentz, but you know, Wentz is much better than people realize going two years ago, he was the only quarterback to throw a touchdown pass in every single game. He was incredibly consistent. Last year was horrible, wretched because that offensive line was horrible, wretched and the weapons were terrible. All of a sudden he's got a full complement of weapons. He's got some good receivers, still got T.Y., he's got Pittman, he's got Campbell, he's got some things to work with. Uh, Pascal's okay. Got a bunch of tight ends. I think Carson Wentz is going to be fine. And I think it's going to be uh, I think it was a great move by Indianapolis, who really got stuck to them a couple of years ago when Luck just dipped out on them. And then, you know, eventually ended up with Rivers and Rivers did a good job. But I think they really landed on something with Wentz. I think it was a good move. And I'm excited to see him kind of get his mojo back there in Indianapolis. Yeah. And Mike, you want to you want to comment on it? It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think Joe hit on it. It's you know we we forget so quickly on how good players really are, and it just takes one bad season to say for people to say, oh, well, he's garbage. He's no more. And he's a great guy. Like he's just like a fantastic individual. Get him out of Philadelphia, which is a tough place, man. I lived in Philly for six years. It is a tough, tough town for sports icon of any kind. Yeah. And, and it's just, I think it's gonna be night and day for him. I really do. Yep, and he's gonna get that protection. He's he's not gonna have like big defense alignment in his face the moment the ball snapped and he could take his time. He has, you know, Jonathan Taylor back there running over defensive linemen for him. And uh, as you said, it covered full of weapons uh, to throw to when he needs to. And, you know, if things really break down, and sometimes they will, he can run. We forget that he, he actually has ability to run. Uh, so I absolutely love Carson Wentz. Uh, I think they're going to limit his passing in the beginning and maybe starting to throw, throw a little bit more because this is a running team, but, you know, if you can get him past that QB 12 range, which I think you will, because a lot of people are just down on him, then he's going to return that much ROI for your fantasy lineup. I, I do 100% believe that he's no, he's not going to finish anything lower than a QB 12 this year. Okay. Yeah. And to the, the offensive line point, Mike, we talked about when we were projecting the Colts where it was like, if you had to name a strength on the Colts offense, it's that O-line. Like, they are beastly up front. And if you had to name a weakness for the Philadelphia Eagles offense, well, one, it was the fact that Travis Fulgham was their wide receiver one for several weeks last year. <laughs> but two, it was that, that god-awful <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> yes. That, that god-awful offensive line. That, you know, Wentz would snap the ball. Because I remember do, doing a game watch because people were talking about, well, Zach Ertz is bad now. And I'm watching these targets that are going to Zach Ertz. And it's it's Carson Wentz falling backwards and either lawn darting these balls or they're going five, six feet over Ertz's head. And there's nothing he can do about it. So some comfort back there, I think, is going to be huge for Carson Wentz. Yep. And yeah. if Frank Wright can't rebuild him, then nobody can. And then nobody yeah. can. They have to move on. Yeah, then then that is what it is. So and then, and you know what, like same thing that happened last year. Reich also speaks the same language that Rivers spoke because they had worked together when they were in the Chargers uh, situation together. So <clears throat> I think it was QB coach there at the time. Uh, but so verbiage is very important and and playbooks very important. So he's not going into a foreign situation in terms of the offense. There's going to be a lot of things that are similar. They're going to carry over and in terms of verbiage and 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 philosophy. 
the reason why Rivers was able to go in and kind of acclimate relatively quickly, uh, even for an older guy, Wentz is going to do it faster, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it, it almost feels like, you know, when you, when you, that comfort level you feel when you like get back to like your hometown, you haven't been there for a long time. Cause he's like, I know the system. I know I'll be safe. I know the coach. Maybe Zach Ertz makes his way over here and I'll be really comfortable, but I've got all these weapons. And so, yeah, I, I think uh, Mike, we talked about this on the, the projections live stream for, for the Colts. I, I feel really good about Carson Wentz this year. I think he'll take a big step forward because I, I want every, I want everybody to be good. I don't want anybody to look good and then fall apart like Carson Wentz has. So, um, so Mike, uh, we're on to you. Who's your second guy? So, you know, we don't, we don't, talk a lot about these guys um this position in general and so i want to talk about this position and that's the tight end position i have a big affinity for adam troutman um not only does he have the name from rambo i mean i'm gonna call him for now on colonel troutman um and um and he has that that white goodman hair that that featherly hair so i mean not only does he have a great name from a great movie but he also has that white goodman head uh what what else not to like about this six foot six tight end uh a lot of weapons are are vacant and we talked about the colts having weapons well where are the weapons for the saints outside of michael thomas so you know james oh kamara receiving okay well you, i guess you could Kamara. say alvin kamara is a receiving okay <clears throat> okay let, let me go back a couple sentences outside <laughs> of michael thomas and <laughs> alvin kamara so those two guys um you have colonel troutman and i think you know one year out of dayton that was a college he went to no otas no training camp so he's gonna have a very good uh, presence out there he's tall and Jameis Winston, or even Taysom Hill. I don't know who's going to start there, but one of these two dudes will be there, and I think Colonel Troutman is the guy that they'll be targeting. Yeah, that, I mean, that that's a good option because, I mean, from Jimmy Graham to Jared Cook, there is a history of that of Sean Payton with the tight ends uh, making something, and they did, I do believe, trade up, trade it up <laughs> to get it. So we didn't see much from him last year, but that's the rookie tight end curse. So can't really hold that against him so um yeah so walker uh why don't we go ahead and we'll move on to you yeah for your second guy just want to mention that uh yeah adam travel's definitely going to be good because he's from northern michigan (laughs) just like you nobody (laughs) from northern michigan ever makes it to the nfl so when they do (laughs) except jeff janice but you you know everybody that made it to the nfl from up there it's because there's only two (laughs) (laughs) well anthony settles from west branch so three but yeah, uh, my second guy, I have – look, Jeff, I, I didn't do it first, but I have to. It, it, Matthew Stafford. Matt Stafford, yeah. I, my favorite player of all time. Uh, just I, I feel like while it hurts that he's not on the lines anymore, he's in a good spot to showcase the things that he's best at. Mm-hmm. Um, the The timing of the offense, I feel like – you know, obviously, with it being new, it might take a little bit to get down. But I think when it when it's good, it's going to be so good. Um, he's got receivers in Woods and Cup that run the routes that he's best at throwing really well. Um, Deshaun Jackson, when he's healthy, which will be about three games, uh, will be if <laughs> yeah, if that will be dynamic. Um, he's got a good running game, a solid enough offensive line. It could be better, but it's 
I wouldn't say it's worse than what the Lions offensive line was last year. It's pretty similar. And he's just he he's the guy McVay wanted. He he's building this offense to have a guy like Stafford at quarterback who can run the offense but when things break down, good pocket presence, can throw on the run, has every arm angle in the you know in the arsenal. I I just think it's going to be a perfect marriage of weapons coach and player i'm not saying he's gonna have an mvp type season like some like i've I've seen some people say that but i i don't think he'll be that quite that good but he's going to take them to a different level i feel like they have a good defense um and i i feel like he's going qb12 right now i believe i i don't see him i don't see him finishing lower than that i mean when he was a lion he was a consistent like back into the top 10 type guy. And that was with, you know, some of those seasons were with Calvin Johnson, but you know, he also had seasons where he had like rookie Kenny Galladay and 29 year old golden Tate were his top targets. I, that's, I will not have you besmirch the good name of Theo Riddick. (laughs) (laughs) Theo Riddick. He he has one of my favorite Lions memories, which is that back of the end zone diving catch to beat the Dolphins. But, uh, He's got. He's in a good situation, playing for a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just i I fully expect Stafford to be a top ten quarterback minimum, and you know if things fall his way, he could even end up quarterback six, quarterback seven range. What? So, if things fall his way, that's I'm, that's. If that happens, I'm I'm drafting every single Ram I can because that's because it's not going to be a lot with his legs. It's going to be a lot of passing touchdowns. Well, he almost threw 50. Well, okay. He was on the wave to throwing 50 a couple of years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's had at least one year where he threw 30 plus. So it's, yeah. it's in him to do so. He just never really had the weapons. All he, had, <clears throat> all he had was Megatron, which is a great weapon, but it's just one weapon. And then he has Kenny Galladay, another, you know, sub. Throw it up. He just kind of throw, yeah, it, up throw it up. Throw it up. Now he can dink, dunk, throw deep. He, his, he has a versatile group of weapons that he's going to exploit. They, I don't think they're going to run as much as is planned. I, so I, I, I really like Matthew Stafford. Of course, the only negative is, is his running. But if the guy can throw 36 to 40 touchdowns and the fact that he's always throwing near, you know, 4,500 yards every single season, what? and he's going, what, wide quarterback, what, 13? 12. 12. So – I don't know. I don't know what the negativity is here outside the fact that he doesn't run, but so what? That's the negativity. That's, no, that's, but, you know what? I, I don't even, he, he doesn't, he doesn't not run though. I mean, like it's, he's not like, he, it's not he's not a matter of, it's, it's a matter of the, the structure of the NFL right now that the, the elite quarterbacks have actually said that we actually talked about this today on the show that they've, they've raised the ceiling. Like it used to be an eight foot ceiling. Now it's like 12, right? Because what Josh Allen does, Kyler Murray does, Lamar Jackson does, where they're almost like a running back on top of being a quarterback at the same time. And they control all the scoring. All the scoring runs through Josh Allen. Pretty much all the scoring runs through uh, Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes to a certain degree, too. Um, what happens then is even the stand-in-the-pocket quarterbacks have a great season like Tom Brady last year. For, you know, 40 touchdowns, right? A remarkable year. What was he, quarterback eight, I think, last year or something yeah. like that? So, like, the ceiling is that... You could be great, throw 40 touchdowns, throw 4,800 yards, and still 
might not crack that top five because if you don't have the rush yards on top of it, it's not an indictment on Stafford. I love Stafford this year, and I, I'm happy to have him in a lot of leagues. But the problem is, like, even if he has a transcendent, excellent season, his best ever, he's still chasing this other group that is now separated itself as its own unique tier. And that's the the evolution of the quarterback position, which is something I wrote about in the Black Book last year and said, look, even in single quarterback leagues, you have to notice something has happened in the last couple of years. And they hold, well, I'll just wait and take a quarterback at the end. It ain't good enough nowadays. It's just not. Yeah, I, I wrote earlier this year that the Konami qu- code quarterbacks, you know, Rich mm-hmm. Rebar, they're not a luxury anymore. They mm-hmm. are a necessity if you're going to win. There's enough of them now where you either have one or you don't. Exactly. Yeah. And so there's almost a delineation mm-hmm. between like, yeah. am I am I capping out at 20 points or so? Or do I have these just like, like you said, a running you back? They're all the guys that win you a week. You know, yeah. you know right. Tyler Murray can win you a week on his own. Lamar Jackson can win you a week on his own. Same thing with Allen, same thing with Mahomes. And that's what you want the guys who can do, the guys who can win you a week. But you also want the guys who control the scoring on their teams. And the guy, especially Josh Allen, who doesn't have a run game, he controls all the scoring. He's either rushing in the touchdown himself or he's throwing the touchdown. That's it. Mm-hmm. It all yeah. it all filters through him. So same thing kind of with Kyler Murray, too. Everything, focus, everything funnels through them. And when it funnels through them for all the scoring, you're controlling all those fantasy points. That's something I'm trying to drive home to people and saying that old, like, oh, just wait. No, no. I mean, you can, and maybe, like, you draft Burrow and Lawrence and you play matchups and they're both able to reach, you know, those good matchups and, and equal those guys. That's possible. But, you know, it's there. It's time to understand that it's not okay to just say, no, I'm, I'm you know, late round QB. Late round QB is dead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's, I, that was kind of my takeaway too with the, you, you need to get one of these guys. Walker, what were you going to say? Uh, I mean, I, I agree. He, he's definitely capped. Like he's, you know, he's not going to be QB four. Like it, it's not going to happen. Um, I no, just but I'll don't. tell you what, man. I'll take him over Jalen Hurts. Oh God, yes. And no, a lot of people wouldn't. I would. I know. Right I know. Now. But I'll take. <laughs> no, I, I will take. Proven to be a top ten, like real football quarterback in the league over Hurts, who was literally the worst quarterback in the NFL by pretty much every metric when he played last season. And, and here's the thing. Okay, so you get Stafford at QB 12, if not later, I and mean, probably later, and he returns QB 7 value. And that and that's the thing I'm looking at, too, is like, to me, it's the ROI. So the first five quarterbacks, and I agree with you, Joe, that it, it, the first five quarterbacks are going to be the running quarterbacks, and that's where the offense filters through. So you're not he's not going to be there. But if I'm taking a jump at QB 13, 14, where – those five guys are off the board, and I'm getting, you know, six six quarterback value because I'm going from a from a quarterback thirteen where Stafford is to QB seven now or eight. Then I am jumping five spots. So those are the values that I look at. I would I, I would rather wait um, and get a much gi- more gigantic value than having to spend an early pick on a Josh Allen when I can jump that, you know, that almost six round value or that not six round, but six quarterback value. And, and Mike, you're just saying that you, you're going to look for your difference makers, other places other than quarterback is what you're looking at. Right. And yeah. Matthew okay. is one of those key players that I, I see as giving a gigantic uh, value. Now, if you miss out on Stafford and you don't get one of those top five quarterbacks, then you're underwater. So yeah. Yeah, just just to put a bow on this conversation we're talking about, can't really get upper echelon, but um, quarterbacks 11, 12, 
13 and 14 last year were Cousins, Ryan Carr, and Roethlisberger. So none of those guys ran. They combined for, uh, like, looks like 500 yards here. And so um, if you get one of these guys, just know that their ceiling's capped if you get a guy that doesn't run. That's slightly skewed because Prescott got hurt, Burrow got hurt, and there was one other one, too. I can't remember who it was. There's a couple guys that would have absolutely knocked some of them out of that QB1. That had they continued to play, and I well, there's another one I'm forgetting about. I don't know if you guys can pick it out of my brain. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I'm I'm looking here. So I sorted by per game, and actually, uh, some guys fall out because uh, Breeze. Yeah, well, Breeze is 17, but he wasn't that Breeze, his, but, yeah per game. But I mean, you still have Cousins is 13, Ryan is 14. So you're st- Tannehill is 12. He runs though. We talked about that. He's he is quietly he's one of efficient. He's quietly a very efficient running quarterback. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is skewed. But then also this year we have questions like Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, guys who finished yep. ahead. Yep. What, what might happen with them? So, um, so okay, we'll, we'll move on to me. Speaking of running quarterbacks, um, how about Daniel Jones, guys? Uh, Daniel uh, Jones? I'm, I'm no? muting. I'm muting this isn't, this isn't seriously your guy, right? You're joking? It's a guy that I'm not saying he's going to... <laughs> guy <laughs> it's a guy so this is this is what i'm thinking two you, you actually saw daniel jones's name and got excited about that do, do you want me to explain my point let no, me explain not okay. really. I, I don't <laughs> two quarterback leagues let me have this okay like i said it's not necessarily sleepers it's it's a it's da- this is daniel jones's last shot i want everybody to be good i want daniel jones to be good he is even if you remove the 80 yard rush attempt he's still top three in quarterback yards per carry he is do that right yeah, well, yeah, he fell down. I said, if you remove the 80-yard rush and then draw play Dave, who does the, the draw play comic, uh, he's like, well, it should have been a 90-yard rush plus a touchdown, but he's a dingus. But it's one of those things where it's like he's played one game with his full complement of weapons. Now he's added Kenny Galladay. Evan Ingram's probably not going to drop almost 10% of his passes. I want to see what Daniel Jones can be, not because I think Daniel Jones is this great talent or because I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but because in two quarterback leagues, when you're getting down around quarterback 25, 26, 27, you, you could try to hit a home run there. And Daniel Jones would be that, you know, kind of home run or bust sort of guy, you know, uh, three true outcomes sort of guy, but you don't get to walk. You either strike out or you, you hit a home run. And, um, he was bad last year. I mean, points per game, he was behind John Wolford, Garrett Gilbert, and Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, so, <laughs> so I'm not saying he's good. I'm saying I want to see what he looks like. That's all it is. I'm excited for, I guess, Daniel Jones to have a full complement of weapons. So maybe we could have another guy to talk about in 2022. Maybe he takes that step forward. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, guys. All right. <laughs> all right 51 turnovers in 27 games for Daniel Jones. Is that Jones. bad? Is that <laughs> not, is that it's not great? Yeah, well, I, the problem I, I that's, that's bad. The that's the issue. The issue is yeah. if you can't convert, you can't score, you can't convert to fantasy points. Exactly. So when you continuously stop drives and you continuously turn the ball over, you only have so many drives in a game. Chances are you're going to have right. So you know if you give away two of them a game, roughly, right? That's yeah. a problem because that becomes an epidemic where now you have to be so super efficient. And you know what? You're not the only person who thinks about Daniel Jones's upside. I mean, Marcus Grant from NFL Network was on yesterday. Marcus was was that was his quarterback. I was talking about once and he was talking about Daniel Jones. We're talking <laughs> about like, you know, the, the quarterbacks who were, you know, maybe sleepers potentially. So, yeah. you know, that's it's there's there's certainly the idea of, yeah, it's, you know, what or get off the pot for mm-hmm. Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah. 
because they have all those draft picks. And my guess is they're going to go and find somebody else to sit on the pot. That's that's my guess, no matter what happens, probably. Yes. But it, it's look, it's not impossible. Daniel Jones, I, I actually, you know, when you go back and you look at the numbers with him with Saquon on the field and without, they're very different. But you could say that about most quarterbacks when they're running back is is hurt. Saquon's a transcendent talent. But well, he hasn't been on the field much in two years, so that's a big issue too. But I think as a third quarterback in Superflex, I like it. That yeah. that's right. As the third guy, where you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he becomes trade bait, has a couple of good games, or you know, it covers the buy or something like that. That that's okay. But like, if you're looking at those other guys, you got Fitzpatrick down there, you got Wentz down there, you got a lot of depth there. Uh, Tua's down there. I would take all of those guys over Daniel Jones still. And I think the difference here is those guys would all be my quarterback twos. I'm talking right. a, a quarterback guy. three and a super flex. He's going to yeah. start. Cause I don't know where the hell they're going to go to after him. I really don't like, I don't yeah, know. I mean the, the giants are the, uh, the MetLife depth charts are very top heavy when it comes to quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Especially on the Jets. That's for sure. I, yeah. I think Daniel Jones fits perfectly on your shirt, Joe. He's definitely a goonie. <laughs> he's not cool enough to hang out with the goodies. That, that's probably true. He's that's like one of those way. guys around Troy went out the wishing well. I think that's Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones is definitely one of those dudes that's hanging out at the country club. I'm pretty sure he was the guy on the toilet when it all exploded up. <laughs> so yeah, if Daniel Jones blows it, blows it, it's Mike Glennon coming for his job. So good bad times in New York if this doesn't play out. So well, you know, um, Mike, Glennon can look, Mike Glennon can look over anybody's shoulder because his neck is so damn long. That's so. true. That's oh. right. <laughs> he can look over your shoulder while like standing three feet. <laughs> you just kind of swerve around. So, all right, Joe. Uh, let's see. So we've each done two. So, Joe, who's the last guy you're excited to to see how things play out this year? I'm excited for John U. Smith because Bill Belichick yes. was excited to go get him. He wanted to go. It's like free agency happened. John has been signed with the Patriots. It was like, there it was. And that was their guy. They identified their guy. I love this dude last year. He was great last year when he was on the field. Then he got hurt and he came back way too soon from the injury. And you could tell he was not 100%. He was trying to get through the injuries. If this dude's healthy, you got Kendrick Bourne, you got Nelson Aguilar, and there's not a whole lot else. So this guy's going to see a ton of targets. I am not worried about Hunter Henry. Uh, there's enough noise about Hunter Henry at this point. All right, I get it. You know, he had a lot of potential. He's a good route runner. It never happened, okay? He's depth. That's what he is. Johnny Smith, on the other hand, could be a star in this league. And I don't throw that around easily. I think he really could be a star. I think the potential's there. And I think there's a really good chance he's going to play more games with Mac Jones this year than he is with Cam Newton. Um, you don't draft a quarterback in the first round anymore in the NFL and don't play him from year one because the, the trick to winning in the NFL is getting the most out of young quarterback play which allows you to spend money on offensive line, on weapons, on defense in the salary cap structure. And if you look at all the teams that win, it's all the teams with the young quarterbacks that are in the playoffs for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Chiefs until uh, they had to pay Mahomes, right? It was Josh Allen. It was Lamar Jackson. You, can, you know, you go through all this list, right? So that is the way to go. And Mac Jones, I definitely think, was their guy. They played chicken. They won. They got mm-hmm. Mac Jones. They signed Cam Newton just to make sure they had something. And they overpay. Well, they're paying Cam Newton a lot. So what? They have a ton of cap space. They can afford to overpay the insurance policy. I'm not sold. And and when Mac Jones becomes quarterback of the Patriots, I do believe he is going to look for Johnny Smith quite a bit because rookie quarterbacks tend to look for the tight end anyway most of the time. And you add in a, a guy who is that talented. I think he's going to be a red zone threat too, like he was in Tennessee. I love Johnny Smith. Um, again, I... I if I don't get Travis Kelsey and I don't get Waller, chances are I'm just going to double up on a bunch of these guys. One of them is going to be John Smith. Yeah. So 
you said Kelsey Waller, not George Kittle. You're out on George Kittle? I'm not a Kittle guy. I okay. love Kittle the guy. I love him the football player. He doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. That's what I was going to say. And that's always that one thing that irks me because I can I can pill for tight ends and you score a touchdown, you're a tight end one that week. And mm-hmm. I can figure that mix out. You know, like I loved Blake Jarwin going into last year. And, and then it's funny. And I was like, you know what? She's going to pivot right to Dalton Schultz. And Dalton Schultz finished with only as many points as Hayden Hurst, who was everybody's darling last year. Right. right? I mean, it was, you know, it was Trey Burton and it was Hayden Hurst. And <laughs> dare I say, Mike, earmuffs, now it's Adam Troutman that everybody keeps talking about. <laughs> right? And it's not to say these guys don't have potential and can't be good. The thing is, do they get hyped to a point where now they have to return that value? And that's where it becomes a little dicey for me. Whereas Johnny was still basically – you know, practically a free tight end. I'm going to have him higher than anybody else, and I'm going to be aggressive on it. Well, I mean, look at ECR. He's 15. 15? What? I agree. What to me, indeed. I agree. I mean, I don't even think, uh, personally, I I I don't think Jonathan Smith's very good. Um, He's, yeah, he pops on tape, but his underlying stats are extremely inefficient. I I think the contract is good. I think the lack of weapons around is good. I think the rookie quarterback is good. And at fifth, at tight end 15, there's no, you know, he, he's going to be better than that for sure. Um, you know, he, he's not going to, he's not going to be, you know, you know, Cole Komet, he, he, uh, Irv Smith, he's going to beat these guys out. Come on. But I don't know if he's a big enough. I'll just say I'm not, I'm personally not excited about Jonas. You can debate and argue with me. I'm not afraid. It's okay. Walker, he's tight, Walker, he's tight end 15. We're not talking, you know, a top. No, but here, here's the point. The point is when you're start to get down to those, that group of guys. The blob, yeah. And, yeah and, we and, call it the blob. Well, it is. And then it is a glob of guys. But when you start to get down to it, you go, well, okay, who is he competing against? Oh, he does have a rookie quarterback. Oh, they were super aggressive on him. Oh, it just happens to be the offensive mindset that brought you Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, like this is a, this is an offense that knows how to use tight end. Frankly, where the tight end play was embarrassing last year. It's not going to be that again. They recognize how, how woefully in a, ill-equipped they were. And there's going to be a massive overcompensation for it. So the problem with a guy like Irv Smith is it's a run first offense. So mm. I don't know how much is going to be there for Irv Smith. I thought Logan Thomas did a great job last year with what he had to work with. He ran almost as many routes as Travis Kelsey last year, right? But the problem is now you have Fitzpatrick who can actually really throw the ball downfield. How much does that enter in? So you've got a lot of questions there. That's why, I mean, and Kyle Pitts is going to go for a price that I don't think I'm comfortable with. That's where I'm at. So for me, tight end, it becomes a situation where who can you identify? I like Cole Komet. I like him a lot. Cole Komet, Johnny Smith, probably Jarwin again. Those are the guys I'm telling you right now. You can get a couple of those guys and just work it out and maybe mm-hmm. one of them hits, you'll be okay. Uh, but I, I think that there's that chance of being wrong somewhere up top or in the middle, and I don't want to be wrong and pass on a running back depth because running back sure. falls a cliff this year. Yeah, I, I, and it, I'm comfortable yeah. with Hawkinson and Andrews at four and five, especially they're not going super high right now, but anything after that, I mean. Kyle Pitts will be four by the time we get to Hawkinson. Yep. He yeah. will. He will. Yeah. Yeah. If he's Hopkins already broken done. through the fire. I called it the firewall. He's already broken through in a lot of drafts that have yeah. happened lately. And I don't know if that's wrong, like necessarily, because it might be. I mean, when you compare that offense and Matt Ryan to Jared Goff, 
who's to say that Kyle Pitts can't potentially do that, but he has to at four. That's what I mean. Like that's yeah. the difference. The difference like, between and, and, and should and has to. Right. I mean, yeah. I love Pitts as a player, but he is a rookie tight end type, and. Hawkinson's proven he can have a really good. Season. I like Hawkinson. I just and then and on, on a horrible, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The Lions, the Lions offense is Swift. Like I, I'm, I'm high on Swift and Hawkinson, and I'm very low on all other parts of that offense. Yeah. So all right, so let's. I, let's, I, I do let's, have I do have an offer. So did did you? What about Frixer, the team that John and Smith left? All the Julio's there? No way. Yeah. With yeah. That, with, yeah, I was no. in on Ferkser, but as soon as Julio got there, I was out. Yeah, you got to realize you've got you've got um, you've got AJ Brown is a beast. You got Derrick Henry, Ivan, best running back in the league. Then after that, you got Julio, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, and you know what? Josh Reynolds <laughs> working out of the slot is not a terrible little wide receiver either. Right, I agree. Uh, and, and then by the time you get to you know Ferkser, like Ferkser will have a couple good games, but I don't think he's anything you can hang your hat on a weekly basis. Whereas again, I think. There's at least a strong possibility that Johnny Smith is a guy that sees 10 targets, 11 targets a game or somewhere close to that, just out of necessity because of what else is around. And I just think that there's a, a larger chance than people think that Matt Jones is the quarterback on opening day. <laughs> I, and I agree with you, especially yeah. after watching those OTA videos. It's just like, oh, like I thought this before <laughs> those videos, and that just kind of. And I don't want to hear them say, well, Cam Newton's ahead of where he was last year. Well, that's still not saying much. Yeah, that's still not very good. Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones, I think, is bad, too. But he's a rookie rookie quarterback who will throw to the tight end. So I I, I, that same thing that Brady has, which he's he's got too much swagger to realize he shouldn't be any good. And and there's something about those guys that are just a little unflappable. And that's Drew Locke, too, though. It is. But the problem is Drew Locke doesn't have Bill Belichick. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Bill Belichick's a DC though. I mean, he's not going to really help Mac much on the offense. If you, he does. If you think that Bill Belichick doesn't? I mean, if, if you go read some like the Michael Holly books and stuff like that in yeah. the war room, there's amazing breakdowns of conversations between him and Brady when they're sitting in the room together. They would sit every single week and go sure. over the offensive game. But yes, he's the defensive genius. But you know, this guy's been around the league, seen everything, and McDaniel's, mm-hmm. uh, Josh McDaniel has as well. And I think that. Look, Matt Jones is nowhere near Trey Lance. He's nowhere near Trevor Lawrence. But Matt Jones, in that particular system where efficiency over anything is key and and being proficient and hitting your spots and and being that kind of passer, you know, you saw Matt Castle win 11 games with the Patriots, okay? Like, the problem with Cam Newton. And it's a very similar type of player. Right. And you see, Mm. the the problem is Cam Newton is not. Cam Newton is not type of player and that's he doesn't have he never had accuracy in his passing and that's the problem there and like i said it's it's for free basically free tight end johnny smith you could do a lot worse i think yeah so let's let's put a button on this and we'll move on to the next one two things one Er Smith is tight end twelve right now. Johnny Smith is tight end fifteen. Absolutely irresponsible. That's <laughs> yeah, I call every every day of the week. What is that? What I do for well, a living, boys. I know this stuff off the top of my head. Yeah. Every day I'm in this. Yeah. Second thing, um, I am coming around on the wide receivers in New England are all sixty to seventy target guys. Ideally, people love to talk about Jacoby Myers's target share last year, but it's a it was a looter in the riot situation. Where else were they going to throw it? Nikhil Harry. Like what he's else would they be bad? He's really bad. So it's very um, chicken and egg. I get it. But can't anybody who watched Cam Newton play quarterback and I do the quarterback write-ups for the black book every year. That's my jam. 
Because if you understand the quarterbacks, you understand the offenses. If you understand the offenses, you understand fancy. Everything. Everything falls into place there. So getting the quarterbacks and understanding how the offenses run, I'm telling you right now, the leash is going to be so short for Cam Newton. It's just going to be. Bill Belichick is embarrassed that Tom Brady won without him. Anybody who thinks he's not. And I'm a Pats fan. It's before Tom Brady. So I go way back to the Bledsoe, Chris Slay, Curtis Martin, Ben Coates days, okay? Bill Belichick is pissed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. His ego has just been obliterated. When Brady walks back into that building, he is not going to have a competitive football team on the other side. Yeah, exactly. He went, you know what? I I don't need you. I don't even need a real good quarterback and watch me win. And then it didn't work. So, yeah. I mean, Hubris is some bitch sometimes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, so that would be Mike. Mike. Who's your third guy? My, my favorite rookie, really, uh, Rondell Moore. I, I'm I'm yeah. super psyched about Rondell Moore. I, yeah, he's a rookie, and you know, rookie wide receivers aren't necessarily fantastic. But I think as the years have gone by, since you can go back to like the Michael Evans years, you, you've seen rookie wide receivers go from not producing at all to producing. And more and more wide receivers come in their rookie season ready to go. I love the offense. I love the fact that the, the, that the air raid is there. I love the fact that there's going to be four wide receivers on, the, on that field. I love the fact that Rondell Moore is a slot receiver in this offense. And they're going to go to the slot receiver over and over and over again. Do I expect a lot of touchdowns out of Rondell Moore? No. Do I expect a lot of receptions out of Rondell Moore? Hell yes. And I I, I could see easily 80-plus receptions coming out of him. He does things on this offense that no other player can do, and that's electricity. Yes, DeAndre Hopkins is there. But if you look at DeAndre Hopkins and you look at his A-dot and you look at what he does on the field, what you see is a player who does just runs an out. Uh, four yard out, four yard out, four yard out. Yeah, they, he gets a lot of passes, but guess what? He's not getting a lot of yards. Rondell Moore, he's that guy. He is going to get you a lot of yards. He is going to catch that that slant, and he's going to take it up the field for 20-plus yards. He's going to do everything to make this offense that uh, Clinsbury has wanted for the last couple seasons. So when the chips are down and you're having a dart and you want to throw it, throw it and hit Rondell Moore. You won't regret it. It's like a salesman at the end there. Yeah, by, by Rondale Moore, you won't regret it. I, I, I'm i not so sold on Cliff Kingsbury's genius yet, but I'm interested to see how they use Rondale Moore. I can't really I can't really critique anything because my guy was Daniel Jones. So it's like, what, what leg do I have? <laughs> but, I like Moore's a great player. And I, I do have concerns that he kind of falls into that gadgety role that's never particularly productive for fantasy. Like we talked about this guy. Yeah, exactly, where he's not getting enough targets or enough carries to be that productive at either of them. But I think he's going to be a good, effective player. Like, I think he steps – he's immediately better than Christian Kirk, who I liked yeah, coming exactly. out. But Andy, Andy Isabella. Throw away Andy, Andy Isabella. He's done. Second-year pick. You were yeah, bad. He's right in the Get trash. the hell out of here. Um, right in the trash. A.J. Green's ability has is in, also in the trash can. Um, so – yeah, Moore's the second best receiver on that roster, and if they recognize it, he could have a surprisingly good season. Yeah, it's it's just like you said, a matter of how they use him. That's what it all comes yeah. down to is how they decide to use him. Because if they if they 
shoehorn him into how, you know, LaVisca Chenault got used early in his career last year. It just was like, he's an, like, I like LaVisca Chenault. I think he's a, he's a fun player, but he just didn't get the right type of usage for it to matter. And that's, that's my only worry about Rondale Moore. I'm going to tell you how they're going to use him on screens. They're going to use him on tunnels. They're going to use him uh, on smokes. Whatever short three yard pass they're going to be. Uh, stick routes, um, all those kind of things. Anything that gets him in motion, well, stick routes not going to get you in motion. But uh, <laughs> any of those kind of things that get you in motion, he's going to be part of. These, these, this little three-yard pass and go, that's Rondell Moore. It's, it's, it, I, I love this dude. I think he's going to be so exciting for this team. He's built for this team. This is what they wanted for the last couple of years to energize this offense. Yeah, uh, Rondell Moore, I love you. Will you be my husband? <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that took a turn. Um, all right. Uh, let's just go to Walker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going with another uh, high-talent receiver, guy who's got wide receiver one potential, even with the recent acquisition. I got to talk about A.J. Brown. I- I've been talking about him all off season. He's just – he's an unstoppable type of talent one-on-one. Huge, strong, technical, incredible after the catch, strong hands. Um, and he's got a, a quarterback who knows how to get in the ball. Tannehill, very accurate passer. Um, and with Julio on the other side, you really going to double him? I, You know, I, you really can't. Um, and I, dude's going to eat on one-on-one coverages. He's a monster in the red zone. He's a monster after the catch. There's no reason why he can't have half a target more a game than he did last year with all of the vacated targets from Corey Davis and from uh, Humphreys was there last year, right? And yeah. from Jonu Smith. I know Julio's going to get a lot of those, but Ferkser and Reynolds have completely faded into they're going to be bit roles, which is what they should be. They're fine players in small roles. I don't, I don't really see... The the people are saying that Brown can't get more targets than he did last year, but he didn't have that many targets last year. There, you know, if he if he gets one more target per game, one, yes, then and just replicates last season's stats and doesn't improve at all at football, then he's going to be a top three receiver, and he improved a good deal from year one to year two. He's a very hard worker. I don't see why he can't improve again. I'm not saying he's going to take a huge leap again because, you know. There's not really much room left. Year. There's not but much room left for him to go. He also played last season very hurt. He was not healthy all year. You know, from week two on, was struggling pretty badly with an injury. Was still a top ten receiver. That dude being healthy, I, I seriously think he's going to put himself in the running for the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's that good. I didn't love him coming out of college, but he's proven me wrong. And I I just I, I love the guy. I think he's a complete package. And I think his he he will demand a slightly larger role. And I, I think he's gonna run with it. I, I think he could be wide receiver one overall and definitely a top five guy. Walker is yeah. right, and I'll tell you why, because he's been one of the most efficient wide receivers in football there in the go. first two years. And that was the knock on him year one, if you guys remember. Oh, mm-hmm. he's just so efficient. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was he's literally too good at football. Everything yeah. was like, no, you know, he's great, but he's just he's too efficient. He didn't get enough opportunities. 
I don't care. Did you see what he did with the ones he got? You're going to knock the guy for being great when you give him the football. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And then this past year, he just obviously made, you know, you know, progress and developed even further. And I put Julio Jones there. You can't guard him one on one and you can't afford now to double him, especially when you have Derrick Henry, because chances are you got to bring up safeties to help that. It is a disaster having Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on either side of the field. And I I don't think it's a hot take to say A.J. Brown could possibly finish in that top three. One is hard only because of Derrick Henry. That would take a Derrick Henry injury because of the style of the offense they run. But A.J. Brown is – Julio being there is not a bad thing, and I'm sick of – tired already of people saying it. Yeah, no, it's a very good thing for for AJ Brown. And also one of the one of the things about efficiency is like the Titans led the NFL in 50-yard pass plays last year. So like, oh, the Titans don't pass a lot. And it's like, well, yeah, cuz they they don't every, need to. Every pass play is really it's not their game, far. right? Yeah. They're in the end zone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so my take on it was it's like like make those three, three passes. If that makes you more comfortable projecting. Cause it's like, it's, it's, there's such an efficient offense that they're always hitting home runs. And when they get on the goal line, Walker likes to talk about this. We called it the, I can't believe I'm name dropping three true, true outcomes twice, but it's either, <laughs> it's either an AJ Brown is just boxing out his guy when you get on mm-hmm. the goal line or it's Derrick Henry going up the middle. Or if you try to stop both those, then it's Ryan Tannehill just rolling around the outside and, Yep. Tannehill's Tannehill's been very good the last couple of years too. And it's so great to see him, you know, emerge after. Cause I, I was somebody, you know, very frustrated years ago writing about Tannehill going, I see the improvement. He's he's good. And people go, no, he's not. He's crap. Like, no, he's good. It's not him. It's Adam Gase. It's Adam Gase. And he got away from Adam Gase and now he's become this dude. And I remember I had bets with people about him or Mariota, how, who's going to play more games. I was like, give me all the Tannehill. Let's go. Let's have the bets. And let me tell you, that all worked out very well for me. <laughs> yeah, I would say I so. But you yeah. see, you can, again, if you understand the quarterback play and you see the guy, like, you see talent. You see incremental year over year when he played for the Dolphins. Improvement. But what you saw was Adam Gase and his stupidity holding him back and the bad play calling and the, and the bad scheming and all the and, and he's a joke. You know, he's living off working with Peyton Manning years ago. And, I mean, I could look good being his OC, for God's sake. Yeah. So, I mean, if you uh, go back to that that preseason with Mariota and Tannehill, you could see Tannehill just dominating Mari- Mariota. Oh, yeah. Was, but these were conversations like I was having in, like, June with people in July. I'm like, I'm like, Ryan Tannehill's going to be the quarterback of Tennessee Titans. Oh, no, I'm Mariota. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll right. see. <laughs> exactly. And everybody and – then, and then Mariota won the job, and then, and then all it took was, like, three games for – for That's why to take Darnold's going to be fascinating because Darnold now in Carolina is dropping into a place. Where he's got CMC, he's got Robbie Anderson, who he knows, DJ Moore. He's got Joe Brady, the best play caller in football, in my opinion, right now. Right. And and, and you're out of New York media market, and you yep. just got to go play football again. It's going to be fascinating to see if they can get him right. Again, it, it's, it's last chance, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good chance he gets right there. I, I think he's right. in a great situation there to... Yeah. to- and I'm, I'm taking all my dynasty leagues. I'm rest- uh, uh, startups. I'm taking Sam Darnold everywhere. He is my quarterback, and I've, I'm drafting in five leagues right now. Five dynasty leagues, and all five I have Sam Darnold. Yeah. So real quick, the last thing on AJ Brown, Mike can attest to this because uh, I forgot in the moment when remember when they when they picked him, Mike, we were live on the podcast. I oh. forgot in the moment Ryan Tannehill was there. I I was apoplectic i was like they're gonna waste aj brown with marcus Mariota throwing yep. in the football yep. i was 
furious. I like was almost in tears because I was I loved AJ Brown coming out, and I thought they're I, I in the moment I completely forgot they had traded for Ryan Tannehill, and I was furious. I I just want to say one more thing. You mentioned like uh, Joe mentioned that he's sick of people saying like ha- having Julio Jones is bad for AJ Brown. Yeah. I'm sick of that narrative overall. I'm sick of people saying, "Oh, Washington's got Curtis Samuel now, so McLaurin's not going to be good." Right? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Drunk? What are you talking what about, dude? Come no. on! People like, love to people love to think that pl- that targets come from the best players on the team instead of the worst players on the team. Exactly. Curtis like, Samuel's going to get all of those Cam Sims targets, and he's going to get all the Sims. Tar- there was two Sims there. Neither one of yeah. them need to get targets. Yeah, they had like eight all targets the last year. Sims targets. That's yeah. What yeah, yeah, he's going to take a few from McKissick and a few from Thomas, and there's his 100 targets. And McLaurin's yeah. still going to get 140, and he's going to be a beast. Yeah, like, people people try too hard to, like, really it's try to... That's trying, it's trying to galaxy bring good players into not being good anymore is... It's lazy yeah. fantasy where they go, oh, it can't possibly be, instead of doing a little bit more work. And some offenses can't support it. They, look, the Titans are on that, on that border because mm-hmm. they are so run-heavy. But... Because they're so run heavy and they have Derrick Henry, again, I told you, where where is the help coming from the safeties on these guys? And it doesn't matter because yeah. these guys are so much they're bigger so than the corner. Yeah. They're so much faster. Than, and look, and, and, and Julio's in a different place in his career now. Julio yeah. is a little older. Julio shouldn't. I think Julio would be better off not having the workload. You might get a better, more you know efficient version of Julio Jones and keep him healthier by not throwing him the ball 15 times a game. I think that's actually not yeah. a bad thing necessarily. I think this is a win for everybody, but especially for Ryan Tannehill. Like, this is their window. Titans' window is mm-hmm. going to close very soon. It was a great move. I think it was a fantastic job they get it. I love the Bud Dupree signing. There's a couple other things they're still a little eh, on. But you know what? They're going to compete in the AFC again. There's no doubt they're a playoff team. Yeah, um, and and I just think if they give if they just give Julio Jones the what they gave Corey Davis last year, he will make the offense so much better because he said, even at this point in their respective careers, still a better player than Corey Davis. Much like, better, yeah. And I like Corey Davis. I, right. I was a I was a truther who was redeemed last year. So here's someone. a fun. You want to play a fun game, boys? I go fun game for you. All right, absolutely. Let's let's live in a world. We even though this is not going to be true. Let's live in a world where Aaron Jones isn't the Aaron uh, Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Packers. Okay. Who would you rather have, Julio Jones or Devonte Adams? Julio Jones. Uh, I'd still just, rather have Devontae, but it's not by a lot. I uh, yeah. see what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely a question. It's Devon, one of those things Devontae where it's like, Adams, I back to Devontae Adams with Blake Bortles all season, I feel like he's still a top ten guy. Devontae Adams with Jordan Love all season, I don't want anything to do with him. Exactly. That's why I'm Julio Jones all day with that scenario because uh, I don't know what Jordan Love can or cannot do in that and you know, even though Devontae Adams I would take Julio too, knowing the quarterbacks. Yeah. Even though Devontae's a free agent, I would still. But it's not going to happen because yeah. Aaron Rodgers is going to go play there. He's not going to go play for the Broncos. It's not going to happen. No, no he's no, going to no. he's going to get a nice, big, fat, you know, restructuring bonus oh, and yeah. then, and it's add all a couple. Pony show. I told Tags that if if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback on opening day, he has to do a show with me, not wearing his baseball cap, so everyone can see his bald head. I want <laughs> that's what I want. To say. <laughs> I love uh, that. <laughs> all right, Tags. So I'll I'll go the last guy and and I was saving this I thought somebody else would say it I'll say it Kyle Pitts we we touched on it oh, he is really excited about Kyle Pitts don't let anybody rob you of your excitement I want to oh. see what this guy can do because yeah. if he breaks the tight end 
rookie curse that every tight end has. You know, maybe it's because he's uh, not really used as a tight end. That's fine. But I want to see what he can do. I want to see him smash league. I want to see him get 14 touchdowns. I want to see him basically be Julio Jones in a tight end slot for the Falcons. I want him to be everything everybody thinks he can be. At the same time, I also have a lot of people who are going to take him top four who I don't want them to waste their picks unless they're in a league with me, you know, because yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more comfortable with him right outside the, the top five. I see no reason to take him, uh, take a lot of the blob instead of him, because like we talked about earlier with um, the rushing quarterbacks, he could be a weak winner if he is what we think he is. But when you're getting into like tight end four and he's breaking through ahead of like Hawkinson or Mark Andrews or these guys who've done it before, it's like he has to do that for you to feel good about that pick. He has to be everything you think he can be and probably more for that pick to feel good. But at the same time, I want to see what he can do. I want this discussion to be settled. The worst thing that could happen is he has, he has eight pretty good games eight kind of bad games, and we're having this whole same discussion next year. I want to see Kyle Pitts smash the league. That's what I want to see happen. Do I think it'll happen? Maybe. I think he has a chance at it, but I think people are ignoring the downside. But I'm excited to see what he can do. There's no stats or numbers or anything to back this up other than he's he's broken through the firewall, the top ten, top five firewall. I think he should go six. That's quibbling, really. Um, but you know, in your Scott Fishbowls or your, um, you know, underdog fantasy where you have to be different. Yeah. Go, go get Kyle Pitts in your home league. Probably safer with Andrews or Hawkinson. Sure. See, yeah. th- this is the problem I have with Pitts. Pitts is like that, that blockbuster movie that everybody talks about every single day and can't wait till it comes out. And it's so exciting. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. That there's so much talk about it that it, kills the excitement and it's it's just pits with me i think kyle pitts is cyberpunk 2077 he's fast nine (laughs) exactly and it's just like i could see him finishing this but i would just rather have people just stop talking about how much of a god kyle pitts is and just let me enjoy it because it's it's just ruining well, you can enjoy all... it because it won't be on your team so you yeah. actually can enjoy it yeah. <laughs> that's fair that's yeah. the whole thing is it, it all it's all about value and you might be in some leagues where you might be with a lot of people who are like no i'm just not gonna pay that price for him and maybe he does get to a place where all of a sudden you do feel really comfortable with with where he falls you go well i'll take the upside here because mm-hmm. I could take him or Hawkinson or Andrews, and you look at it and go, well, Andrews might be safer, but you know, I really hate the you know the Lions offense, so maybe I'll I'll take a shot on Pitts. And and there I think I would, especially with Julio gone. I think there's a better chance now that he can reach that. But the problem is when Julio's gone, now people want to overrate it. So it really is a draft by draft kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's hard not to rank him for. But the problem is, I think that's more an indictment on tight end altogether than it is necessarily an endorsement of Pitts in year one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you say hard to not rank him for. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's the big three, but then who drops below him? Andrews or Hawkinson? I you know Andrews is safer. I think Andrews will be. The problem with Andrews last year was that everybody knew the ball was going to him. That's uh-huh. it. Everybody knew there was no other alternative. I think bringing in Watkins, bringing in you know Rashad Bateman, drafting him. I think I think that gives them a little bit more to work with at least. And Lamar's actually a better pocket passer than people give him credit for. If you go back and look at the college tape on Lamar, it's actually pretty good throwing the ball in the pocket. 
problem is this offensive line is built for running the football, not for pass protection. Mm-hmm. So he kind of struggles because he doesn't get a lot of time throwing the football. Now, if they're able to make some headway with that year over year, get some wide receivers that can actually separate and run routes and be good. I mean, they've had terrible wide receiver play in the last couple of years. Marquise Brown is not the answer. Every single Marquise Brown uh, touchdown last year that he scored, you could watch, and I guarantee you on film, it's a mistake by the corner or a mistake by the safety. Somebody falls down, somebody pulls a coverage, whatever it is. It is not because of Marquise Brown. It's because Marquise Brown called the ball. There was a mistake, and Marquise Brown ran wild. And and I watched it with my own eyes happen week after week after week (laughs) in a row the last six weeks of the season. And it was stunning, and it would piss me off because – You'd see him drop balls. You'd see him not be able to get open. You'd see him running crappy routes. Then you'd see the quarterback make a bad read. Marquise Brown get you a ball and run 30 yards for a touchdown. And it was incredibly frustrating. But I think this year I, I would still lean towards Andrews. But I like Hawkinson a lot as a talent. I just I just have a lot of concerns about Detroit. Okay. I was just curious how, how those those three guys ended up stacking up. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, that'll do it for talking about the uh, – the guys were excited about, but I forgot, Joe. I told you before the episode started that I had a bone to pick with yeah, you. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I heard you say you haven't seen all the Fast and the Furious movies. No, no. Why? Why, why would I waste all that yeah. time and energy? I mean, look, you're looking at the real Vin Diesel right here. I think we can pretty much. <laughs> sure. Okay. I love that. Yeah. The uh, movies. The mo- but, yeah. And, and I hear now that he's like an international man of mystery now. Like, went from being a guy who, like, you know, was racing cars on the weekends to now he, like, works for the government. How, how did that transition happen? Like, can someone talk me through that, please? And no, I haven't. Uh, I think I saw most of the first one, but no, I, I and I'm not a car guy. I just, like, cars are cool. I'd like to drive a cool car. That'd be fun, but I'm a dad, so I don't. So, uh, whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there no. with you. I have not seen a single minute of any of those movies. Not yeah, a single minute. I've seen I've, more than a minute, but because I want to see what all the fuss was. The one that I might actually watch was didn't Jason Statham do a spinoff one? Yeah, the, the spinoff one. Hobbs yeah. and Shaw is almost like your standard issue, just like buddy cop beat him up movie. There's see, like I, no. And I like and I like Jason Statham. I like The Rock. That yeah. might be the one you could get me to watch. That's, I, have to support, I have to support it as like a brotherhood. All the ball guys, we're all together. We have meetings once a month. It's a fun thing. So I I would like to support my guys. But other than that, that's that's it. Yeah, I had to bring it up because I have a bad action movie podcast. And the first 10 movies were all Fast and Furious movies that we watched (laughs) all through them. And I like bad action movies at times. But it's just like, I don't know. The car things are just kind of like, meh. Well, the same way I didn't care. Starting around five, they're like, okay, so somebody's coming for the cars. Let's just get that out of the way. And then we'll do the high stuff. Like, they... So no right, car chase beats the blues brothers anyway. So that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. So, <laughs> all right, Joe. So uh, we'll let you get out of here. Thank you so much for your time. This was a blast. Yeah. Buy your black book. Joe, why don't you plug your pluggables and then we'll, well, first of all, thanks for having me guys. It's fun to talk football. I just, yeah. I just love talking football. Uh, but yeah, so you can follow me on the Twitter machine at Joe Pisa PS 17, of course, uh, the fantasy black book 2021 with amazing group of contributors is out right now. It's got uh, Andrew Erickson from PFF. It's got Michael Florio, my buddy from NFL. It's got tags. It's got Yates. It's got uh, just a phenomenal group of writers. And it's the one book to rule them all for all your leagues to prepare yourself. It's not a magazine. It's got real actual theory and real actual strategy in it. And something that's going to really separate you from the herd, which is harder to do. So you can get it on Amazon for paperback or for Kindle. It'll be on Apple in a, in a few weeks or so waiting to uh, get all that together. And uh, of course you can hear me on the Fantasy Pros podcast about a gazillion times a week. So there you have it. Thanks for uh, 
Thanks for having me, boys. It's fun to chat. Yeah, absolutely. Thank and Joe, on, Joe, thanks for coming on. All that stuff's going to be in the description, so folks can check you out on the link. So, uh, uh, if you want to stick around for our plugs, go for it. If you want us to get your weekend started, go for it. <laughs> no, I want to hear all your plugs. All right, yeah, our plugs. <laughs> all right, we'll get. Let me let me let me pull up our plugs. Uh, so our plugs. And I have uh, to say before you start, Jeff. Uh, it, it's been great talking with you, Jai. We we go back a little bit, back and forth uh, on Twitter and Facebook, but I have to say that. Uh, finally, I'm I'm glad to to finally speak to you face to face. So thank you very much for coming on. Likewise, man, it was yeah. pleasure. I, I feel like I know you. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Yeah, it's like I know Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally yeah, all, right, all right, now I got to do the business part. All right, oh, so okay. websites, fo- yeah, websites, footballabsurdity.com. Evan Hoover pu- published his auction article this week about the toolkit bench, and you can find him doing Twitch streams on the Twitch Twitch.tv slash footballabsurdity. Today he did the I think he called it the $186 challenge where you bought CMC for $186 and then tried to get at least a B minus on fantasy pros with the rest of his roster. <laughs> How did that go? I want to see that. Uh, Matt, <laughs> gotta see. Uh, well, and then uh, I'm, I'm streaming there on, on Mondays. Next Wednesday, we're going to roast my ranks on the Twitch stream. Uh, that's going to be at one o'clock or I'm sorry, three o'clock Pacific next Wednesday. Yeah, so I can roast you. Yeah. So Walker can roast me. Um, Patreon, patreon.com slash football absurdity. Thank you, Mark Johnson, for joining us this week. Uh, next week's episode will be in the Patreon feed. But after that, we're going to have Herms, Herms NFL, talking ranks. And then at some point in the future, we're going to have Roto Surgeon, Kevin Surgeon. Right, Walker, you're working on that? Yep, yep. Should be on the 16th. Perfect. So he'll be on the 16th. So thanks for listening, everybody. For Walker and Mike and Joe, this is Jeff. T- take care and have a good one. Thanks, guys.